This week on Broadway for Sunday, June 2nd, 2019. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a theater journalist and historian with a number of books. His most recent is The Great Parade, which is available everywhere. His play God Shows Up is now in performance at the Actors Temple Theater on 47th Street. His columns appear at MTI, Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Also, Peter, you're busy tomorrow night, aren't you? Yeah, tomorrow we're doing the Theater World Awards, uh, 7 o'clock at the Neil Simon Theater. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I have to say, though, what I'd like to talk about for a tenth of a second, but more than that, I'll grant you, um, <laughs> is a review I got of um, God Shows Up on the Internet. Um, and the reason I want to bring it up is because uh, the podcast is actually mentioned in the review. So um, I think that that would be worth uh, doing so. Um, this was written by a guy named Walter Thinnes, uh, T-H-I-N-N-E-S. Okay. So he wrote, I really wanted to like the new play God Shows Up um, because it's written by theater reviewer and chronicler Peter Felicia. He is a member of one of my favorite podcasts this week on Broadway. I usually agree with his reviews and insight and find his encyclopedic knowledge of theater fascinating and engaging. Unfortunately, this work starts with a broadsword, moves to a sledgehammer, and lands with a wrecking ball. But who knows? You just may like it. As Mr. Felicia often says, I'd much rather you have a good time than agree with me. <laughs> and I, th- I think it's terrific that he's paid so much attention to these podcasts. I'm sorry he didn't like the play, of course. But nevertheless, I thought this was a terrific review in terms of the writing of it and the spe- specificity. So, Walter, I hope we get to shake hands someday. Broadsword and sledgehammer. I mean, you know, Game of Thrones has really taken over the vernacular of uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the other voice that we hear there is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at fellowspotphoto.com. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. And uh, Peter, I wonder if that Mr. Thinnis is related to Roy Thinnis. Yeah, I don't know. Remember um, him? Sure, of course, of course. The TV yeah. actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in the movies too. I don't think he ever did Broadway, but um, not that I can recall. So. All right. So next Sunday, 
Next Sunday is the 73rd annual American Theatre Wings Tony Awards, presented by the Broadway League and the American Theatre Wing. It's going to be a little party over at Rady City Music Hall, and we are now in a position to finally decide what we think should win, what will win, things like that. Here's our best guesses, and we are going to shake it up a little bit and do it in reverse order than the uh, what you will see next Sunday evening. And my reason for starting with the best play and the best musical is that I think it might inform how some of the other choices uh, of the of what will win and what uh, may win and what we think should win are going to uh, play out. So let's start with best play category where the nominees are Choir Boy, The Ferryman, uh, uh, Gary is sequel to Titus Andronicus, uh, Ink, and What the Constitution Means to Me. So out of those five, Peter, tell me what do you think? uh, What is your choice and what do you think might happen? Well, my choice would be The Ferryman, uh, which I've now seen three times. And in fact, I recently saw again with the uh, new cast, which is just as fine as the original cast, which is uh, really quite nice. And and you do have a few holdovers. Uh, Fianula Flanagan is still with it, playing um, Aunt Mary Faraway, who just comes in for a little visit every now and then. Uh, and a, a, a terrific uh, character and a terrific idea for a character. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think The Ferryman is is going to win. However... It wouldn't shock me if what the Constitution means to me wins because there's been a lot of traction for this play in recent weeks. And The Ferryman is, um, by Broadway standards, old in the sense that it opened um, a long time ago in the season. So um, what the Constitution means to me is fresher on people's minds. Perhaps, I mean, I don't know how many people they invited back. I would imagine they invited Tony voters back, and if they did, then I do think the ferryman has the edge under those circumstances. Um, the other three, uh, while all various amounts of worthiness, I, I don't think are, are really in the race at all. So I really think it's a two-play race. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I hope it turns out that uh, what the Constitution means to me just ends up with just the nomination, and we'll have to be happy with that, because as I've said, I I just think it's terribly overrated. Uh, Had I just seen it uh, with no hype uh, when it opened at New York Theatre Workshop or in a similar off-Broadway situation like that, and it came out of the blue, I I think I would have found it really very interesting. But I don't think it's, uh, as I know many people agree with me, I don't really think it's a play in any traditional sense. And I think there's absolutely no comparison with the ferryman. I mean, of course, when whenever we have nominations for awards, you you wind up sometimes c- trying to compare apples and oranges because you have plays written in vastly different styles, and and it's always uh, sometimes that's more obvious than others. But regardless, the, just the ferryman in terms of the construction and the the uh, beauty of the writing and the in the in incredibly interesting multiple multiple characters and the way the the plot strands are weaved together I, I think it's quite an achievement everyone i have spoken to 
for whatever that's worth, seems to think it's going to be the ferryman, hands down. Um, Choir Boy is a, a play I adored off Broadway, and then again on Broadway, I, I think it's a wonderful play, and I wish. Uh, well, again, I'm glad it got a nomination in another year. I think it would absolutely, absolutely have won. Um, so, but you know, there can only be one winner, except in those rare uh, cases when there's a tie. Um, there was a tie at the Cheetah Rivera Awards, by the way. Mm, I don't know if yeah. that. So it does, you know, it does still happen. Um, and that would be interesting. Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, I thought was a very interesting experiment that kind of fell flat and apparently is gained no traction at the box office, regardless of, uh, or aside from the fact of the, the cast, which includes Nathan Lane and Christine Nielsen and Julie White. And Inc., um, I thought, you know, it was a very interesting story, but maybe overwritten uh, quite a bit. Uh, so that was flawed as well. Uh, Ferryman, I would say, is basically flawless and just a, a, a major achievement. And I think that that's going to get it. When I saw Ferryman, I immediately thought that uh, that this was not only worthy, but it would win. It would win uh, best play, and I think that it should win the best play. But I think that what the Constitution means to me might pull an upset here. I think it, I think it's going to win. It, it wouldn't surprise me. And again, um, it is a homegrown product, and um, that's something yes. we always like to see. While indeed, um, it's not the case for the Ferryman, which after all is an import. So, um, so that could be a factor as well. And also current events and, and mm-hmm. Me Too and women's empowerment. Well, yes. And another thing, too, is that um, it is being done without Heidi Schreck in another production. And um, it isn't an expensive show to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it at regional theaters next year. And as a result of that, it's very possible that they'd love to say uh, best play Tony winner. So that's a factor as well. Yep. Okay, let's move into Best Musical. We have the nominees are Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, Hadestown, The Prom, and Tootsie. So, uh, Michael, what do you think of this group? Um, uh, again, uh, well, here I would say no clear frontrunner uh, at all. I'm hearing Hadestown from most people. Uh, I think all of these shows have one or another significant flaw uh ain't too proud i i think the, i i am not a fan of the book i think it could have been written much better even though i understand how difficult it is to you know to write a <laughs> a, a bio musical around a pre-existing catalog but i thought a lot of the uh narration and dialogue unfortunately was very very clunky and that uh put a big damper on it because and it's too bad because the musical and the choreographic aspects of the show are really quite spectacular and of course the talent in it is is amazing um beetlejuice i just was discussing last night with several friends all three of us were very surprised at how much we liked it um i'm not sure exactly why there was such a negative uh uh, perception going in, but I um, have no major issues with it. I think I thought it was tremendous fun. Uh, I I think the score uh, was the the music itself was more melodic and and more memorable than uh, than many many 
uh, new scores that we get, um, although not more memorable than Hades Town, which I also thought uh, has a lot. Uh, while it was unfolding, I I, I I felt like, oh, that is a really good song. And then that just kept happening. Um, I, I, I do think that's a that's a wonderful score as well. And the prom um, is one is a show that, um, uh, you know, I think uh, the prom and Tootsie, I, I've both. Uh, heard both described as having serviceable scores and that sounds like very faint praise and to extent an extent maybe it is but um but i think it's accurate it's you know there there are a lot of comedy songs in both scores and they uh they do serve the story very very well and there's a lot of clever lyrics um not so many musical hooks you take away and say oh gosh I, I'm, I'm gonna run home and and see if i can get the album if the cast album is is out and see if i can download it or find the cd somewhere uh, but as as uh overall experiences i think they're both really really great and i guess my um I mean, I have such affection for the prom. I, I, I suppose that that is the one that I would pick uh, if if it was up to me, <laughs> which it isn't. Uh, although I would not be, um, but I wouldn't be at all upset or anything if Hades Town or Tootsie um, or even Beetlejuice one uh, ain't too proud. I I didn't think was quite on the level of the other ones. Peter, what did you think? Well, I'm rooting for the prom, which I think is the best of these shows. Um, and so uh, if quality means anything, I would think that this would happen because, yes, um, the score is um, one that has lyrics that rhyme, which longtime listeners know is a big thing with me, mm. which is something that Hades Town does not have. I wish the Tonys did what they did back in the uh, year the company won when Stephen Sondheim got two awards, one for best music and one for best lyrics. Because mm. I would give Hadestown the music prize in the second, and I would deny Hadestown the lyric prize now and forever. So, <laughs> so under those circumstances, um, I, don't, I don't think Hadestown is going to win for, again for these reasons of the road. And I'm going to bring up the fact that the band's visit, which was the quality show of last year, no question, quality, um, and one... Ten Tony Awards, which rarely happens, a tremendous achievement, and it's gone on the road and has not done the business that's expected. I don't see Hades Town as a road show. Uh, I'm not sure I see the prom as a road show because, again, it um, even for just for the lyric "People Suck in Indiana" is going to be a problem um, in in Indianapolis and Terre Haute and other places too. So, <laughs> um, so I do think that is um, going to be an issue uh, in terms of touring, uh, unless they. Um, tamp down that lyric a bit but um but other than that other than beetlejuice i really feel this is a, as michael says a wide open race um anything could happen here mm. and um I, I don't even think it's impossible that ain't too proud would win because indeed this is a show that has done terrific business it's a hot ticket yes. it's the hottest tickets of them of them all and um, so I don't think that's impossible. And of course, Tootsie has brand recognition and is a great show. So um, I'm I'm perfectly happy with um, with any of them winning because Hades Town is a wonderful musical for its own sake, aside from rhyming lyrics. And as I, I've said, I don't get much emotional involvement from it, but but it does tell its story very well and it is a fine production and um, I'm not going to lose a second's worth of sleep if it does win, but I have a feeling it's not going to. 
you know what might work against it, uh, and maybe more on this later, uh, two of the leads apparently have been missing several performances during Tony Nam. Uh, really? Really? invite time uh, so something like that can really turn yeah. the tide oh it yeah. really can yeah sure. i didn't know that you know even uh what are there uh about 700 voters or so you know the eight, eight, yeah 800 yeah. voters you know you, you know if you miss a few performances you might miss 10 percent of your voters mm-hmm. right exactly uh easily so they have uh, to they have to scramble to reschedule and they yeah. can't always you know Peter, I have an answer for your Indiana, uh, <laughs> your Indiana issue. Um, while in Indiana, you can say Alabama, and while in Alabama, you can say <laughs> Indiana. So, <laughs> or well, while in Alabama, you could still say Alabama because they're not going to see this prom anyway. <laughs> I suppose they're not. I'm not. I'm trying to think of large uh, touring houses in Alabama, and I can't think of any. Uh, but I'm sure there brilliant. are some. That's sure brilliant, that. James. You could literally just keep switching the locale of the show depending on where you're playing so that you're not making fun of where you are. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, actually, <laughs> there's actually that uh, the uh, Beth Level in the prom. She's like, I love you people from insert city <laughs> right. name here. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, Hadestown's going to win Best Musical. I think it should win Best Musical, and I enjoyed it. Everybody in this category, but I think Hades Town is is for me the uh, best, and I think it will win it. Uh, let's go on to best re- best revival of a play. We have Arthur Miller's All My Sons, The Boys in the Band, Burn This, Torch Song, and The Waverly Gallery. So, uh, Peter, what do you think of this? Well, what I, I frankly, I hope Boys in the Band gets it because it's a play I've admired now and forever. I mean, it's been a very important uh, play, um, and I do believe that one of the reasons Stonewall happened uh, was because of this play. I'm not saying that um, I've ever read that, but I've always felt that. So um, I would like to see that win. I don't think it's possible the Waverly Gallery will win because it was a fine production, and and, uh, it's very deserving. that said, uh, it too was a while ago. Of course, The Boys in the Band was a while ago too, but there's been a little traction about it lately because there's going to be um, a, mo- a new movie version, at least for TV. So um, I loved All My Sons. Um, I, it's not a, a production I hear a lot about, which surprises me with Annette Benning in it, who's magnificent. Um, so I'm very surprised that we don't hear more about All My Sons. I, I just don't get any scuttlebutt on it. So um, it seems to be a strangely low-profile show. But if it wins, I'm very happy. I think uh, Burn This and Torch Song of the Also Rans, um, uh, both fine uh, productions. Um, I had no problem with the productions that happened. But it seemed that Torch Song was better received off-Broadway than it was on Broadway. And um, I think that's going to work against it. And um, Burn This, uh, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, is a is a play that seems to become very strange and runs out of gas in the second act. Um, so I, I really don't think we're going to see anything there. So um, so any of the three is fine with me, um, but um, I will say for sentimental reasons, I hope it goes to Boys in the Band. Mm. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I, I have similar feelings about the Boys in the Band. I think, you know, there's so many minefields in that play, and I think that they, they just avoided all of them and, and put together a really really wonderful, strong, effective production uh, that was a very hot ticket 
partly because of mm. the you know the names in the cast and 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 combined with a really extremely short run uh i had to buy my ticket for that show i it was so the the demand was so great and i think so i'm yeah so even though i had to buy my ticket i still say that <laughs> i think i think that that is the one that i would choose um if you're going to subscribe to the theory that awards generally only go to shows that are still running then it's really only a choice between two all my sons and burn this um I don't know if I subscribe to that theory, uh, especially for plays. I think we often have a case, uh, cases where uh, shows are nominated even though they're closed. So that may not that may not factor into it. Uh, all of uh, let's see, yeah, burn this. I think that it, there's a lot of good about it, but there are those structural problems in the play to begin with, and also I think there was kind of uh, a lot of. Um, uh, not very good work from Michael Mayer, the director, that didn't help. Uh, All My Sons, I uh, packs a wallop that show uh, I was involved in a production years ago, as I think I said. So I have a lot of respect for it, despite the flaws in the writing. Um, I think this one has some great, great performances in the leading roles and Unfortunately, a lot of miscasting in some of the minor roles. Torch Song, uh, as we discussed many times, I had very, mm. very negative feelings yeah. about about the miscasting of that. And Waverly Gallery, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought that uh, you know, of course, Elaine May is the is the drawing was the drawing card and was the event aspect of that production. But I thought it was solid all around. You know. It, those other actors, um, Joan Allen and, and Lucas Hedges, et cetera. And I do I also do like love that play itself. I, I heard that many people apparently do not. They don't seem to get it uh, or the way that I think I do, uh, you know, in terms of the the uh, the way that this woman's de- deterioration is shown. They don't they don't really respond to it. But I always thought it was a beautiful work by Kenneth Lonergan. So um, I, I you know I I I cannot predict what's going to win this category. I'm I'm kind of at a loss. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's between all my sons and boys in the band. Um, my vote mm-hmm. is for all my sons. I really enjoyed boys in the band, and it's interesting. Uh, the uh, producing team on Boys in the Band, David Stone, Scott Rudin, uh, Aaron Glick, Ryan Murphy, Patrick Catullo, um, they, uh, these are certainly big, big mm-hmm. power hitters. Uh, mm-hmm. And th- they might be able to sway the Tony voters, especially uh, with how much influence they have there. So I'm interested to see what happens next Sunday. Mm-hmm. The uh, best revival of a musical, of Ugh. course, only comes down to uh, <laughs> uh, Kiss Me, Kate, and Oklahoma. So two in a category. Uh, we have a 50-50 shot of getting it right here. Uh, what say you, Michael? <laughs> well, if one of them has to win, um, and one of them does... <laughs> I would say Kiss Me, Kate, because it's less disrespectful of the work of the original creators, whereas Oklahoma is just at least half of it is just some, you know, you might as well take a a tub of mud and throw it at at the piece, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, it's amazing. People, some people just will not... uh, 
the, p- people will stick to their guns, pardon the expression, <laughs> uh, no matter what. You know, I, I use that argument about, well, regardless of what you feel about the individual bits of staging and the reinterpretations that these two directors have foisted upon these shows, um, I, I think you will have to say that there are several places in them, especially Oklahoma, where it's what's happening is completely counter to what Rogers and Hammerstein and Agnes DeMille and all of those people were going for. Uh, and I and so then I say, you know, how would you feel if you wrote something, you know, with a specific worldview, a specific uh uh, perspective, something you wanted to say, a statement you wanted to make about whatever, uh, you know, birth control or or war or something like that. And then and then 50 years after you died, if you could know that somebody decided to play it in the opposite direction, how would you feel about that? And I have actually had people say to me, I have I'd have no problem with that. Well, you know what? I think they're lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I think they are lying. I, I think they just don't think it through. And then when it's presented that way, they have no argument anymore. So they say that they would be fine with somebody uh, directing and producing a show that they wrote to have the opposite meaning for what they intended. Uh, so that's that's my feeling for these. I, I'm I wish that there had been no award in this category this year. Uh, Peter, what do you think? Well, I think it's it's Oklahoma in a walk. I mean, don't forget the nominators uh, really respected it tremendously. And uh, a lot of people are just very interested in seeing a very different Oklahoma, and that certainly applies here. Kiss Me Kate, which again I saw yesterday, by the way, and it is a terrific revival, but it's business as usual. It looks like other Kiss Me Kates. I mean, of course, there are differences here and there, but I mean, nevertheless, it's Kiss Me Kate. Um, <clears throat> while Oklahoma doesn't seem like Oklahoma, which of course is Michael's point of why he doesn't like it. And by the way, I have a million problems with this uh, Oklahoma and a million pieces of admiration for this Oklahoma mm. as well. So so under those circumstances, I don't think there's any contest here because um, Daniel Fish reimagined it while Scott Ellis didn't and as many of us would feel shouldn't. But um, we're in an age where um, anything wild and different is admired for being wild and different. So I think Oklahoma will easily win the prize. I uh, agree with Peter there that I think it, it's going to be Oklahoma very strong. And I'm interested to see, have you heard anything about what if Oklahoma's going to perform or what number they would do? Oh, good question. No, I don't know. Yeah, that's going to start dribbling out this week. I, I'd imagine we'll start hearing what each one each one of these uh, shows is gonna, are going to do if they're going to perform on the Tony Awards. So, uh, And Matt Temanini will cover it on Today on Broadway if you're... Uh, take a listen to the other podcasts this brings up another good point though in terms of performances will indeed the prom do its number that it did on the macy's thanksgiving day parade and will they end with a kiss um i suspect they will there's not going to be the problem here uh that there was with the macy's parade uh a a situation which the show seems to have survived uh you know there's a little bit of kerfuffle (laughs) at the beginning but it has survived that and i'm very glad that it has well you know uh the the Republican um, boycott of Hamilton nearly killed it. Yeah, didn't it? I think uh, Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton is barely making ten million. I know. A week. <laughs> really, it, barely. They barely breaking ten million a week between the uh, the Broadway cast and the American tours. Oh, and then there's the London thing, and there's everything. 
they're in the 20 million a week type of range. So uh, I, I'm glad to see they survived it. Thoughts you on know, hers? Just, just to editorialize, we, you know, we continue to have mass shootings and people, yeah. people mm. get insane over a, 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 the same sex kiss. It's just <laughs> you we're, this world is in bad shape. Yeah. It really is. Oh, yeah. So let's uh, talk about the best book of a musical. We have uh, the nominees are Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, Hadestown, The Prom, and Tootsie. Peter, what do you think of this? I hope it's going to be The Prom again because uh, this is uh, a show that came out of nowhere. It uh, is certainly not based on anything. And um, to just based on a suggestion by Jack Fratell, actually. And uh, they took with it and they ran with it. And so I am really hoping upon hope that indeed – this will um, win the prize uh, for Chad Beglin and Bob Martin. However, one has to really applaud um, what Robin Horden did with Tootsie because um, unlike, say, Pretty Woman, which did not get a nomination, mm -hmm. this was not just the screenplay on stage. This right. was um, so much of the dialogue is just so different and so funny. So um, I'm very happy if uh, Tootsie takes home the prize, too. Um, Hadestown does its job rather well. It's an adaptation, of course, but of um, the Orpheus and Eurydice um story but um and it did it very well and i won't be surprised if that wins um the only two i think that are really out of the running are ain't too proud and beetlejuice uh beetlejuice again is, is based on the movie and it's pretty similar it's not it's not as um word for wordy as uh, pretty woman is but um it's it's more in line with that and um an a too proud um i i, I think is just business as usual um uh, again it, as michael said it is not an easy job to take a real life story and make something out of it mm. but um but i i do think that uh um Dominique Marceau will, will is is surprised and happy that she got the nomination and we'll leave it at that <laughs> michael what do you think yeah, I would agree with all of that. Uh, I, I I do think that maybe the book for Hades Town doesn't get um, as much credit as it should because there again, uh, they, what 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 happened was that two myths, you know, two ancient Greek myths were combined: Hades and Persephone, and Orpheus and Eurydice. So that in itself can't have been easy. Uh, and then there's this overlay of the idea of the presented in a, in a new Orleans, uh, jazz kind of milieu. And, uh, so Anais Mitchell, is that how she Anais, pronounces it? Yeah. Anais, Anais, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. Um, uh, I, I really think she did stellar work. Um, but on the other hand, uh, yes, the prom is that very, very, very rare bird of a completely original musical. Uh, we just don't get those much anymore. And I think everyone involved with that, uh, deserves the highest praise and i would say that they deserve this this award too because it's just so well done and i and i think although some people disagree and i can't understand how they do uh i do think that it gives a very balanced uh picture of the perspective of these two separate groups that you know that are in conflict here these new york liberal show people who come you know to defend uh, the right of the, this these two lesbians to go to the prom together and the people in the community who are very, very much against it. Um, so I think that's, you know, to write something that, that gives the, those two perspectives and treats them with, you know, respect and, and seriously, but also ha be one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Uh, that's a great, that's a great, uh, 
achievement. Uh, but but again, speaking of one of the funniest shows I've ever seen, that also certainly applies to Tootsie. Um, I, I do just wish that there weren't also in Tootsie uh, s- several parts of the script that that I thought don't seem to bear any any uh, relation to reality. Uh, uh, Robert Horn, uh, if all of this, the book were as good as the best parts of it, then Robert Horn, I think, would walk walk away with this award. Absolutely. And he may get it anyway. Um, uh, uh, there are just hilarious beyond belief moments throughout. And I know, I know a friend of mine said it was, it was one of the funniest shows he's ever seen. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, uh, how that yeah. Do you think that there's maybe, uh, a valid comparison between Avenue Q back in 2004 and the prom where so many Broadway insiders have their heart, uh, on Avenue Q and the prom, and then you have, uh, you know, they, they might. Uh, I think that the prom would is going to win Best Book of a Musical, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that it's down between Hades Town and the Prom, and uh, and we don't have uh, an eight hundred pound gorilla that. Well, actually, we do have an eight hundred pound gorilla, but it's not mentioned <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> he's in another he's in another category yeah exactly so uh (laughs) but do we think i think the prom's going to win but do you think that the prom is going to get uh you know the the sympathy of the broadway insiders well i think I, i think what you're saying is i think a lot of people do respond to the fact that it's a show about them uh, to a certain extent, yeah. and that that's d- definitely a plus. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that factors into it. All right. So we have the next category is Best Original Score, Musical Lyrics Written for the Theater. We have Be More Chill, Beater, Beetlejuice, Hades Town, The Prom, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Tootsie. So, Peter, tell us about this category. Well, I don't think that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird has much of a chance. I don't know. Has there ever been one of these situations where music for a play has ever won? I can't think of one. So um, I think we can eliminate that. Um, But uh, I I will say that um, a lot of people have felt that uh, this is one category in which Tootsie is really out of the running. A lot of people were disappointed by David Yazbek's score, and because he won last year, right. Miss America syndrome. You know, right, I mean, right. there has never been a Miss America that has won from a state that had won the year before. You know, so and of course we can point to plenty of scores that have won by the same person two years in a row, and certainly um, Stephen Sondheim is one who who did it for both uh, Company and Follies, but. Um, uh, that's Stephen Sondheim, you know, so, uh, and, and they were terrific, but, uh, but the reaction to Tootsie's score has not been as strong as has been for any other David Yazbek score. And I'm even including women on the verge. So, um, so I do believe that he is, um, not going to have a chance in this category whatsoever. Uh, again, I think the work on the prom is very, very skillful. And, um, I think that it should win, um, whether or not it will because Hades Town has such magnificent music. Well, I'm repeating myself because you know what I feel. But um, but that's the way it seems to be going for me. Michael. Yeah, Hades Town uh, seems to be the favorite, and it would be my choice as well. I, I think there's certainly good work in other areas, and I do uh, – I uh, I have been talking about Joe Iconis for years. I think he has a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, 
maybe a little too maybe still a little too out there for Broadway, but, uh, or maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm glad he got the nomination and I think we are probably going to see f- future nominations for him. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Hades town. Um, although again, um, Beetlejuice, several people I've spoken to have all said, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier that we were so surprised, <laughs> Uh, by how much we enjoyed it, and that that included the score as well, especially because especially because go on <laughs> because I, it's I almost literally cannot believe it's the same person who wrote the songs for King Kong, right? Hmm. Eddie Eddie Perfect. I guess in as I, I think I've also said before, in one case there was in, inspiration, and in another there was not, and it was just a job. Also, he, uh, as we've discussed, he may not have had as much time to work on King Kong because that was a replacement score. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, right. I, you know, here, he, you know, presumably he started work on this and he worked on it for a while and he was the only one working on it. And uh, he he found an inspiration in that piece. And I, I'm really looking forward to the album Beetlejuice. All right, so let's uh, narrow our focus here. We've talked about the plays and musicals themselves. Uh, Let's talk about the folks who shepherded them uh, on the Broadway stage. So the best direction of a play, we have uh, Rupert Gould for Inc., Sam Mendes for The Ferryman, Bartlett Sheriff for To Kill a Mockingbird, Eva Van Hova for Network, and George C. Wolfe for Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Peter, tell us what you think of this category. Well, um, I think I've talked long and hard about how much I love To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, and uh, I, I still regret that it's not in the best play category. So uh, I think it was a tough show to do. However, The Ferryman is a tougher show still. There are so many more people. It's, it's, it's so much uh, it's painted on even a bigger canvas than To Kill a Mockingbird, which is on quite a big canvas. So, uh, so I do think it's going to go to The Ferryman, and um, I do think that it... Uh, has the best chance, especially because I don't expect much to happen with Inc. Network or Gary. Um, that would really be an upset if any of the three of those. I mean, Ivo Van Hove certainly has his admirers, and he too was painting on a large canvas. Um, but the canvas, the, what he painted on that canvas, a lot of people have issues with. The strange um, mm. action on each side of the stage uh, mm. seemed to be... Um, not particularly necessary, especially on stage left, but um, <clears throat> but um, he's he's certainly uh, admired and has his fans. But um, I do think that um, a look at the ferryman and what had to be accomplished there, and the sense of mood that pervades that play throughout, uh, it's a dangerous play from the outset. Um, and um, the danger is still there; the tension is there, very taut. So I think it's going to going to go to Sam Mendes. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's Sam Mendes in a lock. Uh, he he definitely deserves it. Um, Rupert Gould's direction of Ink, I enjoyed. I, I had some pacing problems, as I recall, though, of course, a lot of that might be in the script itself. Um, uh, I, uh, although I did... I had big problems with the adaptation of Mockingbird. I, I didn't necessarily specifically have any problems with direction, but I uh, just don't think that this will be the one that Bartlett Sherrill will get. I, you know, I think he's uh, 
people know that that he's done great work before and will again. And I don't know if they're going to think that this is awardable. Um, Gary, uh, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, is such a strange piece. I would say, I would say that George C. Wolf did as good a job with it as anyone probably could. But the show is not a hit. It's apparently struggling tremendously at the box office so that's going to work against it and as for network you know of course um part of direction is casting and i think that the only person in the entire show uh maybe one other person but for the most part the only well cast person in the entire show is brian cranston everyone else is completely wrong and Needless to say, that damages the production incredibly. So I don't think Eva Van Hova should even have been nominated for this. I think the three of us are in agreement here. The uh, Sam Mendes and the Ferryman is uh, the proper choice for best direction of a play. Uh, uh, along with Peter, I love To Kill a Mockingbird, but what Sam Mendes did with mm. such a story and... Uh, uh, such a cast and such a large cast and and to keep uh, audiences pinned to their seats for that three hour plus show. Yes, uh, I think that was a Herculean effort, and he should be rewarded for that. In the next category, we have best direction of a musical. We have Rachel Chavkin for Hades Town, Scott Ellis for Tootsie, Daniel Fish for Rogers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma. Uh, Des Maganov for Ain't Too Proud, Life and Times of Temptations, and Casey Minikoloff for The Prom. Michael, let's start right now by saying you're choosing Daniel Fish, right? <laughs> I'm choosing him to not win. Yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, yeah, what do you think? If that happens, that's not going to be a happy moment for me. <laughs> But I would be thrilled if Casey Nicola or Rachel Shavkin won. I think they both did stellar, stellar work. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, Des enough is a veteran of this type of show from Jersey Boys, which I think we all agree is the is the uh, the what's the word? The gold standard. The gold standard, the paragon of the uh, of the biomusical category. It's almost been the template, which is the problem for yes, these biomusicals. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. A little too much of a template, yeah. and 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 again, you know, uh, Peter was the first one to mention it, and I still can't believe how they stole the ending of the first act of Dreamgirls. Mm-hmm. That that but that was a big mistake. Big, big mistake. Um, Tootsie, uh, as I've said, uh, I, I thought whoever directed the comedy did a brilliant, brilliant job. But I don't know if it was necessarily Scott Ellis because I've never known him to be that kind of a director. And there were some other uh, – he he might have, if he had been a stronger director, he might have solved some of the uh, – plot holes in that piece, which we've discussed at length. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be him. But Rachel, um, I, I've, I've admired her work since The Great Comet. Uh, I'm afraid I met her uh, when the show was being done in its first incarnation in that uh, tent downtown. Um, and we got to speak with her a little bit. And I just was amazed what she did with it there. And then after it moved to Broadway and, you know, that was that show turned out to be a sad story for uh, for a number of very weird reasons and should and should have run much, much longer. So that was a tremendous disappointment that hopefully now will be uh, partially alleviated. All right, Peter, what do you think? 
I think it is going to be Daniel Fish, um, um, though I wouldn't be surprised if Rachel Chafkin wins. And for two reasons. One, because she did a hell of a job. This lady, I'm telling you, she can put people (laughs) – she has such an imagination as to where to put people Mm. and um, how to maneuver them and make the stage pictures so arresting. She really is quite an artist. And um, I would like to see her win. I just think that uh, so many people admire what Oklahoma did. Um, despite, of course, the dream calisthenics um, <laughs> that would uh, that opened the second act. So um, the other three shows were, um, and this is a terrible thing to say about direction, which is not an easy thing to do, but pretty much come across as business as usual. Um, they were shows that um, if you had been given the script, the production you imagined in your head would be the production that you got on stage and the production that should have been on stage. I mean, those shows look exactly the way they're supposed to look. Right. While Hadestown in Oklahoma, if, if you read the script, you wouldn't come up with the productions that Rachel Chafkin and Daniel Fish did. But um, I do believe it's going to be Daniel Fish. Interesting. I think that Rachel Chafkin's going to win this category uh, for Hadestown. Um, but I wouldn't disagree with the Daniel Fish if he was chosen as well. All right. In the uh, next category is uh, Best Choreography. We have Camille Brown for Choir Boy, Warren Carlyle for Kiss Me Kate, Dennis Jones for Tootsie, David Newman for Town, and Sergio Trujillo for Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. So, Michael, what do you think of this? I would say excellent work all around here. Um, Town is very impressive in many ways, uh, in the way that many of the artists involved in it create... Uh, the, the sense of various locales, including the underworld, on a unit set. So I think the lighting designer and the director and the choreographer, uh, you know, certainly help a lot in that in that regard. So David Newman uh, is a very strong candidate in this category. Um, Dennis Jones, I think, is was the perfect choice for Tootsie. He has always had a lot of wit. Uh, and cleverness in his choreography, and that was obviously what was required here, especially since so much of it is um, <laughs> choreography for this musical within a musical, which is supposed to be terrible. And I think he did a good job with that without without going overboard and making it ridiculous. Um, Kiss Me Kate uh, always seems to get... Uh, award nominations for its choreographers um especially in the in the modern era where the too darn hot number has become the pièce de résistance the you know the all out production number where you just really it's the whole ensemble and everyone's in motion and it and it's this incredibly exciting dance number even if it doesn't make a lot of sense in the mm. <laughs> in the in the context mm. of the plot uh but mr carlisle certainly came through uh as susan stroman did on the last um on the last revival wait wait was it no kathleen I marshall recall, I, I don't recall that it was susan stroman that doesn't sound right to me kathleen marshall oh, okay i'm sorry i misspoke yeah. um and uh, what else? Uh, Choir Boy, I think, um, probably is not a serious contender here just because the – if only because the amount of the choreography is considerably less. Um, and uh, Sergio Trujillo for Ain't Too Proud you know, does, does an excellent job of, of replicating the uh, type of moves 
that the Temptations did, and uh, you know, at, at the height of their popularity, uh, I would say you probably see we probably see some of those moves also in Choir Boy, <laughs> um, some of those types of moves because it's uh, you know a lot of the music is similar, and um, so who's going to get it? I would say, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, Peter, can you sum it up uh, as tightly as Michael did? Well, I can certainly say that I expect uh, from uh, what I've seen of these shows that uh, Warren Carlyle should win for Kiss Me Kate. Because if you notice, um, if you look carefully at the choreography, you will see that uh, one dance move is often replaced by uh, the next dance move is completely different and the one after that is completely different and the one after that is completely different. I'm talking about four beats of music now. Mm-hmm. And um, and boy, I bet it was hard to learn. So it's more detailed and it's not business as usual um, in terms of so much choreography that we see that seems to be generic. And um, and this is not generic at all. So so I think he may very well win. Uh, so, uh, but I won't be surprised if Sergio Trujillo, who certainly has his admirers, mm. wins either. And um, yeah, if, if, if Tootsie does wind up doing very well, uh, Dennis Jones may certainly be um, part of that as well. So yeah, the only ones I really think that um, don't have much of a chance are Choir Boy um, and uh, Hadestown, because um, Hadestown doesn't have choreography as, as, as we really know it. Um, and I think that may work against it. So so we shall see what we shall see. I think that uh, Ain't Too Proud is is probably, we haven't mentioned it insofar as a winner, but I think that it's going to come up as a number two in, in a lot of people's ballots. And I think that this one might win. Uh, Sturge, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You wouldn't be surprised. All right. So uh, let's move on to the actors. We'll talk about the best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. So Patty Constantine in The Ferryman, Brian Cranston, Network, Jeff Daniels, To Kill a Mockingbird, Adam Driver, Burn This, and Jeremy Pope in Choir Boy. Peter, what do you think of this category? Well, the most demanding role um, definitely belonged to Brian Cranston uh, because it isn't easy to be mad as hell and not wanting to take it anymore. But more to the point, um, I always make a point of watching the movies um, before I see a show. I want to see exactly what has changed, what has not changed, et cetera, et cetera. Brian Cranston uh, had big shoes to fill because, after all, Peter Finch won an Oscar. He wasn't even alive to accept it, but he won an Oscar. And uh, there's nothing in Brian Cranston's performance that you see in Peter Finch's performance. And yet, it's an equally valid, equally crazed um, man that he's portraying, and he portrayed him in a very different way from Peter Finch. Um, Brian Cranston is also very much beloved. Uh, he's a very nice guy, and I think that's going to help him as well. Um, on the other hand, Jeff Daniels um, is also a beloved actor, um, and uh, as a personality, too, he's a very nice guy. And so... Um, Given the fact that uh, To Kill a Mockingbird doesn't have that many chances, um, he could sneak in. Uh, but I, I do believe it's going to be um, Brian Cranston. Patty Considine was terrific, yes, indeed. He's gone home, um, and um, I, I think that will work against him as well. So I'm predicting Brian Cranston. Michael, what do you think? Well, I'm definitely predicting Brian Cranston as well for all those reasons. Um, 
I think the Ferryman is such an ensemble effort that uh, that that might work against Patty Considine. In addition to the fact that he's not in it anymore, um, uh, and you know that may not be fair or, or whatever, but uh, mm. that this would this would have been I, I may have said before this show would have been a prime candidate for an ensemble Tony Award because I it's been a while since we've seen anything so amazing as that, I think. Um Jeff Daniels is is wonderful in the part. Uh I think that he uh suffered from the part of the adaptation that uh found it necessary uh to make Atticus Finch look like a much more flawed and not necessarily smart person as he does in the movie uh, because we can't have uh, I guess you know the thought is that now we can't just can't have this this white guy uh, being all wise and 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 all knowing and and really really a mensch and uh, uh, as he was basically <laughs> in the film uh, so we have to have parts in the play where people are actually arguing with him and making him look almost stupid uh, for for certain moments. I don't think that that works for the play, and I think it works against his performance. Um, Burn This, Adam Driver, is, uh, this play itself, as we've discussed, is problematic, and uh, Adam Driver is, is a pretty big star, and he's certainly charismatic, but uh, the way that script... Uh, ends up uh i think that it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and that may work against him um and actually jeremy pope uh you know is is double nominated but i think this is this would be the role for which he deserves the award he was really superb in choir boy when i saw the show almost five years ago i think off broadway and uh, I'm glad that he didn't age out of it uh, by the time they brought it to Broadway because he was brilliant again. Um, so I think that he would also deserve it, but I I do think it will go to Brian Cranston for his brilliant work, plus the fact that he's the by far the best thing in that show, plus the fact of his status as a uh, t- uh, well a TV star, I guess you would say a very very big TV star. I'm going to agree with uh, both of you that Brian Cranston will win this. I think he should win this. Uh, it's a tour de force, uh, but I would not be surprised or sad if Jeff Daniels won it. So next category, best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. We have Annette Benning in Arthur Miller's All My Sons, Laura Donnelly in The Ferryman, Elaine May in The Waverly Gallery, Janet McTeer in Bern- Bernhard Hamlet, Laurie Metcalf, Hillary and Clinton, and Heidi Schreck, What the Constitution Means to Me. So, uh, Michael, what do you think of this category? Yeah, I think Elaine May will and should get it. it that, was, that was an extraordinary return after decades uh, to the stage, and it was a privilege to be in the theater and watch her play that role in that beautiful play by Kenneth Lonergan of this woman who is um, slowly losing her mind, um, whether you call it Alzheimer's or dementia or, or whatever it is, and the way her family deal with it and the way she tries to deal with it um i I, i'm getting actually teared up just talking about it uh again that that was a a beautiful beautiful performance um 
Bernard Hamlet I didn't like at all as a play and therefore didn't like Janet Tier in it. Um, I thought she uh, is a great actress who was kind of doing her usual stuff and didn't illuminate it. Um, Laura Donnelly, absolutely wonderful, beautiful performance. But again, I think the ensemble nature of the ferryman will work against her. And at Benning, another great return, uh, as I'm sure I mentioned, I saw her Broadway debut years and years ago in Coastal Disturbances. And I think we all knew at that time that she was going to be something special, but then she went on to focus on film. Um, and, so it is great to have her back in a, in a difficult uh, role in All My Sons. I've always thought Kate Keller in All My Sons is is quite difficult because of uh, the way she functions in the story. And she has to be um, very, very upset uh, and very edgy through most of the show. Uh, but I thought she did a great job with that, but also brought it out the humor where it exists and the humanity. So that was a wonderful performance. Um, Heidi Schreck, uh, you know, just d- d- carrying the weight of what the constitution means to me is an achievement, but I have my issues with the, with the piece and the performance and Hillary, uh, and Clinton, uh, Laurie Metcalf, uh, I, uh, there again, I thought there, there was a lot of s- very, very similar uh, vocal inflections and body language uh, that we have seen uh, Miss Metcalf use in several other plays. But I didn't think that they that they did much to illuminate the role of of Hillary Clinton. So I would not uh, expect that she's going to get it. Peter, what do you think? Oh, um, of course, the Waverly Gallery opened in the fall. Um, in October, and there was plenty of season left in October, and yet I knew at that moment in time that Elaine Main was going to win the prize because um, nobody expected her even to get through previews. Mm. I mean, she's she's uh, an octogenarian. Um, she's closer to um, a nonogerian than she is to a septogerian. Whichever the seventy-one is, I always get that confused with the sixties. Anyway. Um, so I, I really thought it was a case closed moment there that this um, this is partly a Lifetime Achievement Award, too. And uh, it's a chance to uh, appreciate an old pro. And uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I thought it was a very strong category. On the other hand, I will admit that if there's an upset to be made here, it might be made by Heidi Schreck from the vantage point that she wrote the play uh, and probably won't win for that play. And so sometimes that cumulative effect that if people do two jobs, they win in one category as a way of um, (laughs) awarding two jobs with one award. Uh, So that's been known to happen. Uh, I thought they were all terrific, every one of them. And uh, if Annette Benning were to win, I'd be very happy to. But I've always thought of Kate Keller as a supporting role. And mm-hmm. uh, she is the leading lady of the play, um, even though, of course, there is um, the issue with the uh, her son's girlfriend now being involved with her other son. Right. But I, I've always felt it, it takes her a long time to get onto the stage, and um, and there are plenty of scenes where she's not involved in all. Um, but Annette Banning seriously brought me to tears, not once, not twice, but three times. Mm. And so um, I thought she was wonderful. And in another year, I think it would have happened for her. But um, it's to me, it's Lane May all the way. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think that what's working against us with Elaine May, and I agree with you about her performance, is that uh, I th- uh, 
is it my imagination or, and this is only anecdotal, I've, I've spoken yeah. to a handful of Tony voters and they're skewing younger and younger and they don't have the history. Ah, of that's fair. <laughs> uh, and so I didn't even, I don't even think that Elaine May is going to be in, in the top two or three of this category. I think it's going to be the stars. I think it's going to be a Matt Benning or Laurie Metcalf. Uh, Could be. Uh, and, and that I, is a very good point. And is, I think that is. all of them were amazing. All of them are absolutely amazing. But I think it's going to be Laurie or Annette Benning that's going to win. Wow. That's a gutsy sure. call. Gutsy yeah. call. So what do well, we have? Yeah. Uh, although, just quickly, I think that might be more true of some of the other awards. I would say that the Tony voters probably still skew old enough to know who Elaine May is. Uh, maybe not not drama desk as much, maybe not yeah. uh, out of critics, maybe, uh, well, you know. No, I, I spoke to Tony voters. Yeah, okay. I spoke to Tony mm-hmm. voters who were like, oh, yeah, what was she in before? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, it, it <laughs> happens. Sure it does. All right. Best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. We have Brookesh Manskish. In the prom, <laughs> <laughs> Derek Baskin in Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Alec Brightman in Beetlejuice, 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 and Damon Duano, Roger Hammerstein's Oklahoma, Santino Fantana in Tootsie. So, uh, Michael, what do you think of this category? I think it's pretty much a lock for Santino Fantana. Um, uh, there tend to be nominations, and and uh, although not always awards, but there are, tend to be nominations whenever a guy uh, goes in track, <laughs> uh, we could, you know, in film and, and shows. Uh, so that was in his favor. But once you, you know, once you get there, then you have to deliver. And I just thought he was incredibly delightful and sweet and funny and had the audience in the palm of his hand. So I, he, he, if it does go to him, he would certainly deserve it. Um, I liked Damon, Damon Dono very much for being able to present a charming uh, and very well-sung Curly in the midst of the uh, frequently ridiculous uh, framework of that Oklahoma. So I would give him an award on that basis. Um, Alex Brightman, uh, I think, created his own uh, idea. You know, he, he very successfully created his own interpretation of Beetlejuice, the character, uh, quite different from what I remember from the movie, although I did see that a a very long time ago. But I I, I don't think he uh, called to mind uh, Alex Keaton, uh, Michael Keaton, Keaton, very, (laughs) very uh, Michael Keaton. I don't think he called uh, Michael Keaton to mind very much. Um, Derek Baskin, as I've said, I, 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 you know, admittedly, the the exposition and narration in Ain't Too Proud, I think, is frequently very, very clunky. So it can't have been easy to deliver it. But I, uh, that said, I don't think he did a very good job with it at all. Um, so I would discount him. And Brooks Manskis would certainly be a, a very, very worthy candidate. He's done um, wonderful work in many shows over the years. And this could be this could be, I'd say it would be his year if it wasn't for Santino. But uh, but I'm, I am glad he got the nom- nomination. I'm glad that his work has been recognized. He um, does a beautiful job of creating this very, very over-the-top, outsized, extremely gay character. And then um, there are a couple of moments towards the end where 
all of that drops and and it becomes very very sincere when it needs mm-hmm. to and i think that that those moments are all the more effective for that reason so uh he did a great job with that probably with uh with great help from his director and they both deserve a tremendous amount of credit for it alex keaton Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties, a television show of the 80s. I thought that was the name I remembered from yes. somewhere. So Family Ties is due for a reboot. You know, they did Happy Days, and I think there was Laverne and Shirley musicals, so uh, Family Ties should be a musical. Peter, what do we think about the best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical category? It does seem that Sancino Fontana is going to get it, uh, case closed. Um, it is true that uh, many guys who wind up in drag um, do win Tonys. Uh, certainly um, the Albans uh, come to mind mm-hmm. immediately. However, you know, Robert Morse uh, playing um, the Jack Lemon role in the Some Like It Hot musical called Sugar, uh, which, uh, if I may take a little detour here, um, <clears throat> Brooks Eschmanskis was at Sardis the other day because they put his caricature on the wall. And uh, it was a very tender moment, the speech he gave, because he talked about when he came to town for the very first time with his parents, because they had relatives in Clifton, New Jersey, that his father miraculously, this was 1975, got tickets for Chorus Line right across the street at the Schubert. And afterwards, they actually came to Sardis because, of course, it was this fabled restaurant. And uh, so it was a, a very moving thing for him. Um, what made me think of this? You might say, well, Bershak Mansus is in the category. And yes, Michael is so right that when he gets sincere, he even surprises himself that he's so moved mm. by what's going on here that he becomes a real human being. But Mark Shaman was at the ceremony as well. And uh, he told me that things are proceeding apace on his version of Some Like It Hot and um, that uh, they've solved a problem that uh, so many people have had with Some Like It Hot. Where did these guys get these clothes? <laughs> I mean, they, they have no money. Where did they get these clothes? And they've solved that problem. I won't <laughs> tell you how. Uh, we'll wait to see the show. But, um, yeah, it, I, I do believe it's, it's Santino, and uh, that's all there is to it. I'm in agreement. Santino, Santino, Santino. Not Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so that was that category. Let's do best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. We have Stephanie J. Block for The Share Show. Oh, we haven't talked about The Share Show. Caitlin Kinnanen oh, for The Prom. <laughs> yes, Beth Level from The Prom, Eva Nobozada uh, for Hadestown, uh, Kelly O'Hara for Kiss Me Kate. So, Peter, what do we think of this category? I think they're all terrific. There was not one um, iota of anybody's performance <laughs> in any of these roles that I thought was a problem, not for a tenth of a second of a tenth of a second. So they're all very worthy. And uh, I, I do believe that this is a case where, you know, the let's give – the show something um, consolation prize comes through. So even though Stephanie J. Block is terrific as Cher, just marvelous, 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 the fact remains that um, I think it will be also a factor in uh, we want Cher to have something to, um, the Cher show to have something to promote. So I think she's going to win. Um, Abel Novzada really a was so effective to me in, in Hades town and uh, really has star quality and um, longtime podcast listeners might recall that when I saw her in London doing Miss Saigon, she was the first um, performer I saw in that role that really convinced me when time had passed, the time had passed from the way that she had aged in her performance. It was really miraculous. So I think she really, we're very lucky to have her and I hope we have her for a long, long time. 
Kelly O'Hara is marvelous in Kiss Me Kate, uh, but she won that not, not that long ago, and that's even true of Beth Level for the prom. Uh, and what a wonderful performance by Caitlin Canoon, and I am so glad that they noticed her, and she belongs in this category because it really is a show about uh, her characters. So, so I am truly, truly rooting um, for any one of them to win, but uh, my prediction is Stephanie J. Block. All right, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, unlike Peter, I, I do have some issues with some of these performances, or I think more specifically with the direction of some of these performances. Uh, I l- adored Ava Noblezada in Miss Saigon, and I don't even like that show. I thought she <laughs> was really wonderful in uh, showing us the 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 um, the the love that that character had for for that man and in in creating tremendous empathy for the character of Kim but um i it seems uh, that as much as i love Rachel Shapkin's direction overall it seems that um as Eurydice that Ava has been directed to be very cool and i do think that worked against it, the show to some extent i i believe peter mentioned yeah i do uh, i feel that way too yeah yeah so so that uh you know i i still think she's great but i i wish that they had uh, the two of those ladies had come up with a different interpretation of that role. Um, Kelly, I think, is hampered by you know some of the really silly changes in staging and uh, things that are not permitted now. Not to mention the rewrite of Cole Porter's lyric for "I am ashamed that women <laughs> are so simple." So, um, so it's not her fault, but I think she's hampered by all of that. Uh, I, I. Thought Caitlin Kinnunen was wonderful and was very much um, the heart, uh, or a lar- large part of the heart of the prom. Uh, Stephanie J. Block has been doing yeoman work for a long time now, and definitely deserves recognition. So I would be thrilled if she gets it. But also um, Beth Level, uh, you know, there aren't that many people who can play uh, that that old style of comedy so brilliantly as she can. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned when I heard that she was doing uh, Annie uh, at, at Paper Mill, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought, before I saw it, I thought she is probably going to be the first person who's going to be brilliantly funny in that role since I saw it with Dorothy Loudon. And indeed she was. Uh, this uh, She uses all of those skills in the prom and it's just perfect and uh, really, really exactly what it should be. Michael, if your Mm. choices don't come through in the Tonys, you may very well say, I am ashamed that people are so simple. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. For me, this category, I think, is the second most difficult category for me to pick a winner in. Uh, I think that Caitlin uh, in the prom is, uh, Kanunen is going to win this. Uh, Wow, wow. I I think if we don't have a you know cross voting cancellation with Beth Level and Caitlin, uh, that Caitlin's going to win this. Uh, although I wouldn't be sad if any any of these women won uh, because they're all outstanding. All right, uh, next category: best performance by an actor in a featured role in a play. Bertie Carvel in Ink, Robin De De Jesus in Boys in the Band, Gideon Glick to Kill a Mockingbird, Brandon Uranowitz in Burn This, Benjamin Walker in Arthur Miller's All My Sons. So, Michael, what do we think of this? A very strong category, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 
let's see, to, to do them in order, Bertie Carvel uh, certainly creates a very distinct character as Rupert Murdoch. I actually am not familiar with uh, Rupert Murdoch's speech or, or mannerisms. I don't know if I've ever even seen or heard him interviewed. So I, I and I, you know, obviously could have researched it, <laughs> but I didn't, uh, you know, because I thought that he was very successful on his own terms in uh, creating a really, really very interesting character. So I think he deserves a nomination and uh, you know, it would not be, I would have no problem if he won. Uh, Robin De Jesus <laughs> has really been one of my favorite actors for quite a number of years now. I think it's a great achievement uh, for him that he was not forgotten uh, among these nominees because the boys in the band did have such a short run and was so long ago. Uh, but I think he absolutely deserved it. And if he won, I would be absolutely ecstatic. Um, we'll see. Gideon Glick, I think, has done his best work that I've seen by far in To Kill a Mockingbird. So that's a strong, very strong nomination. Brandon Uranowitz, uh also has been good in everything I've seen, even in problematic uh, pieces like uh, An American in Paris. Um, and uh, he, he helps a lot to keep Burn This afloat because it gets very turgid uh, in, in after a while, especially because I, I've always thought that play is overwritten and maybe like 40 minutes longer than it needs to be. Uh, but Brandon, you know, playing the gay uh, roommate and friend uh, really brings a lot of very, very necessary humor to it. So bravo to him. And Benjamin Walker, as I, I know I've said before, had uh, just the way things played out, he had some really bad luck um, in, uh, you know, American Psycho, which I thought was a really, really well done and effective musical of that property uh, was a huge flop. And so uh, he, although he was great in it, that didn't do him any favors. And uh, then he unfortunately got involved in that horrendously directed production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And there were a couple of other disappointments as well. But now um, I'm I'm very uh, – uh, it warms my heart that he's gotten uh, such recognition for the role of Chris in All My Sons. And I would be very happy if he won as well. Michael, uh, did you hear that Rupert Murdoch actually went to see Inc.? I, I think I did hear, but I didn't hear anything further. So uh, Murdoch went to go see Inc. a, a few weeks ago, I, I guess. Um, and I, I think the f funniest thing to come out of it was that he didn't uh, he didn't have any major qualms with Bertie Carvel. He mm -hmm. uh, he did say something along the lines of, "I'm not sure I, w I would have worn that tie." But uh, so, <laughs> outside of co outside of the costuming, it seems that uh, Rupert Murdoch seems to be okay with the way he was portrayed in the uh, in the play. Peter, what do you have to say about this category? Well, here's uh, where I disagree with Michael and everybody else. Um, and <laughs> Benjamin Walker just won the Outer Critics Circle Award for this performance, and um, I think he's all wrong because he seems too callow to me, especially for a guy who's supposed to have been in the army during wartime. 
that changes people. Mm-hmm. I don't see that change in him. And so that's my problem with his performance there. So I really think that's a barrier. And yet, I'm not going to count him out because I counted him out already for the Art of Critics Award and look what happened. So um, Brandon U. Enners has been giving good performances for a while now. Yes. Uh, you know, And um, I'll always admire him uh, when I saw An American Paris late in the run. And he has to start the show. And he started with a bang. And I really got the impression... Um, this may be totally invalid, but I really got the impression that he set the tone for the other actors, that the other actors might have slacked off if the, if the guy starting the show uh, was a little slacking off himself. There was none of that going on, and Brandon Uranowitz has proved himself time and time again to be a pro. So I wouldn't be surprised if indeed he wins. Um, but I think it's going to go to Robin DeJesus uh, for Emery in Boys in the Band. I think that um, is... is the prize that the boys in the band will get. Uh, Gideon Glick is fine. Um, it's <laughs> this is a nice picture of straight and gay, isn't it? Because we have Brand New Ranowitz and we have Ramon De Jesus as gay characters. We have Benjamin Walker and um, Bertie Carvel playing uh, straight characters, and Gideon Glick is supposed <laughs> to be Truman Capote. So, uh, but he's at a young age. So, so uh, maybe he doesn't he know his, yet. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know yet, right? Yeah, we know, <laughs> but he doesn't know. So, in, in a way, it's kind of fascinating to look at that character from that lens. So, um, anyway, there you have it. I agree with Peter. Robin De Jesus, I think, is going to uh, take this category in the best performance by an actress in a featured role in a play. Uh, Finola Flanagan for The Ferryman, Celia Keenan-Bolger to Kill a Mockingbird, Christine Nielsen, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, Julie White, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, and Ruth Wilson in King Lear. So, Peter, what do you think? Oh, uh, to me, this is a, a slam dunk. It's definitely Celia, Celia Keenan-Bolger. Um, <clears throat> again, uh, partly because she didn't win for Glass Menagerie, which a lot of people mm-hmm. thought she would. But she is magnificent in this role. Magnificent beyond belief. And my favorite moment is when she's um, frustrated and uh, she's standing next to the porch and she starts slamming her hand against the porch in frustration. It's a gesture we've seen people do. We haven't seen it overdone, but we have seen it uh, happen. And it, it brings back so many fond memories of our own frustration when we were kids and adults wouldn't let us have what we wanted so much. Fiona Flanagan getting her first nomination in <laughs> over 40 years. Ironically enough, I ran into her at the Soup Nazi the other day. Um, the uh, <laughs> And uh, when I brought up that she was nominated for Ulysses in Nighttown she, uh, way back when, she was uh, pretty surprised at that. Um, she was just finishing ordering when I got up there, so I don't know what soup she got, but um, she has good taste in soup because that's a great place to go, believe me. And it's unfortunate to call it the soup Nazi. Um, I'm, I'm sure people know what I'm talking about from Seinfeld, but what I will say is that um, it's on 55th Street near 8th Avenue, and the people there now, who are not the original people, are so nice. Anyway, that's not the point. <laughs> I was going to say, Peter, Peter, you're talking in line. You might have been thrown out and, ban- and banned. <laughs> not know? at all. But They're the new lovely. owners They're are nice, are. huh? <laughs> yep. Uh, it's it's really something that uh, the surprise to me was that Julie White got nominated because, as I've mentioned, um, she was away for 45 minutes, literally, in uh, Gary. And so I didn't think she had that much to do. Uh, Ruth Wilson, I thought, was sensational in King Lear while playing both the fool and uh, Cordelia. Uh, really quite wonderful. And um, there I was getting off an attention about uh, Miss Flanagan. But um, the way she comes alive in that show, and I just love the fact this has nothing to do with her performance, but... I just 
love the fact that when this woman who was catatonic suddenly comes to life, all the kids are so excited that they're going to hear about the past and yeah. uh, her life. It's just such a wonderful thing because so many kids um, in our society aren't remotely interested in hearing what old people have to say. Um, and uh, so it's just a nice moment. But uh, she does it extraordinarily well. So, um, <clears throat> but nope. Is Celia's award all the way, and I'm delighted she's going to get it. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I agree about Celia, and, you know, so, so well-deserved. Um, just a beautiful performance. Um, Fianola is extraordinary in that play, and, and during those moments that Peter just mentioned, you can hear a pin drop. Mm. You know, it's just, it's one of those ex- extraordinary things that happens in the theater because of the way the writing is set up and the character is set up and you're like, is she ever going to say anything? You know, mm-hmm. and then suddenly this monologue and the kids are just, well, you, you just described it perfectly. So I'm just repeating what you said, <laughs> uh, but I completely agree. Um, Christine Nielsen and Julie White uh, might, uh, to some extent, cancel each other out yeah. aside from the fact that uh, the play is so problematic and and uh, all of that. And Ruth Wilson, I did. Um, I I loved her. I I think she was certainly one of the best things in King Lear. Maybe the best thing. I did miss, and again, not her fault. Uh, and I know why they did it, but I I miss it when. Um, when Cordelia, as written, only appears at the very beginning and then at the very end of the play. I can't offhand think of any other play that does that. And it creates, when it is, when it is directed and, and cast and played that way, uh, when we don't see her for two and a half hours <laughs> or more in between. Or more. Yeah, or more, yes, especially in this production. I think that when she does come back, there's a tremendous feeling of emotion that that uh, is engendered in the audience that doesn't happen um, when she's also playing the fool because I you know I realize it's a different character but it's we, we don't get the sense of loss of that presence on stage so I think that that was a, a big mistake I know it's not the first time it's been done that Cordelia and the fool have been played by the same person but I think it's a mistake so before I said uh that the other category was the second most difficult category for me to pick. This Mm. is the most difficult category for me to pick because, as you've pointed out, Celia Keenan-Bulger, just a a wonderful performance in To Kill a Mockingbird, but Ruth Wilson really blew me away, and I can't pick between the two of them. But I think that Celia will win it, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ruth does. Mm. All right, best performance by an actor in a featured role in a musical. We have Andre De Shields in Hades Town, uh, Andy Gratolution in Tootsie, Patrick Page in Hades Town, Jeremy Polk, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Time of the Temptations, and Ephraim Sykes, Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. So, Michael, what do you think of this category? Well, as I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, I don't think this, you know, if Jeremy Pope has a chance at a Tony, it's not in this category. It's in the other category for Choir Boy uh, because he seems to be having problems um, with singing his role in Ain't Too Proud. I know when I went uh, at an early uh, critic's performance right after the opening, his he, he seemed very weak vocally. It's uh, 
a, a great deal of the role is in a high falsetto, and it didn't seem to be his wheelhouse. And then, um, unfortunately, two other people have told me that that he sounded very weak when they saw him as well. And I know he's missed at least one performance. And again, uh, one of those was a, a, a Tony Award voters performance. So I think there are issues there and it's too bad. Um, uh, and Ephraim Sykes, I uh, thought was fine, but, uh, you know, uh, similar to the Ferryman situation, I think um, that we have a, more of an ensemble feel uh, for the cast of Ain't Too Proud, except for uh, Derek Baskin in the role of Otis, who's you know clearly a, a, a standout because he narrates so much of the of the the show and and is in it from the beginning. Uh, a, a big part of the the story of of the Temptations is that there was a tremendous turnover in the group with people coming and going. Um, but Derek is the one who's there, you know, from the beginning. So I think he's the one that that. Uh, that people tend to focus on. And that's why he got a nomination as well, because he was singled out. Uh, Patrick Page is a very honored veteran and um, uh, always gets great reviews deservedly and is really wonderful in Town and makes a tremendous impression, not only for his acting, but for that <laughs> really beautiful, low basso profundo singing that he does all night. Uh, it's an extraordinary performance. Andy Grotolution, I, I can't remember when I've laughed more at, at an actor in a musical. He, uh, I don't even remember his musical moments, his singing moments in the show. <laughs> uh, presumably he had a few, uh, but all I remember is his spot-on delivery of the jokes and the dialogue. He was just, just great. Uh, but I think um, this is going to be Andre de Shields, who is again, a, another honored, honored veteran. And uh, he uh, really holds Hades town together as pretty much the narrator of that. Um, and he's still at the height of his powers and it's a privilege to see him. And I hope he gets it. All right, Peter, what do you think? I don't have much more to add because I do think that Andre DeShields is indeed going to win. Um, and partly from the um, lifetime achievement uh, factor, mm. he was the original guy in The Wiz way back when. Uh, I do agree that Patrick Page is quite wonderful and there aren't many people who have a voice that low. Uh, and what uh, it makes us so high to hear him <laughs> be so low. Um, and Andy was a, a wonderfully pleasant surprise. I mean, this, in essence, is the first time he's had a real chance on Broadway to do anything. He's worked with the Fiasco Theater Company, which is an ensemble-based group, and, like, everybody chips in and everybody does his part. But, wow, you know, what we have here is now he's on his own. Uh, <laughs> of course, he's working with the company, but not in the same way that Fiasco works. So, as a result, um, sometimes... Those people who are used to that type of discipline have a tough time adjusting to conventional Broadway theater. Andy did not. And as a result, um, he certainly is a factor. But yes, Andre DeShields is going to win. So I think Andre DeShields is also going to win. Uh, and I think uh, Andrew Gratolution, oh my God, I, I, I <laughs> left. So, I, I think he's so brilliant and so mm -hmm. funny, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Th this was... This seems like a role just written for Andre DeShields. Mm. He he fits it like a glove. It's perfect. And Maybe it was. No, he actually <laughs> uh, he was actually uh, the third third person to play the role, or something like that. Oh, okay. Uh, I 
don't think he was in the New York Theater Workshop production. I don't recall him being uh, in uh, Yeah. And I think that he joined when they were in Canada uh, mm. and then went to London and came to Broadway. Uh, I think that's his, his path. Um, and the Patrick Page thing, the, my concern for Town is how do you replace Patrick Page's voice? Mm. You know, so I can't think of many people in the Broadway sphere that could, that have that same vocal quality and ability in that same range, but they'll find somebody. Certainly, uh, New York is nearly limit, limitless with the the abundance to find talented people. Absolutely. Might be someone we've never heard of, but also of isn't there... Isn't there someone in um, Ain't Too Proud, actually, who sings way down there sometimes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the uh, Temptations. Yeah, one of the Temptations sings uh, that real big bass line. All right. Next up, we have the best performance by an actress in a featured role in a musical. We have Lily Cooper for Tootsie, Amber Gray for Hadestown, Sarah Stiles for Tootsie, Ali Stroker for Roger and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, and Mary Testa for Roger and Hammerstein's Oklahoma. So, uh, Peter, what do you think of this uh, category? Tough category. A lot of people think Amber Gray is going to win. I wouldn't bet against her for a tenth of a second. Uh, Ali Stroka certainly has her fans as well. One has to wonder if Mary Testa, who's been um, nominated now and then um, <clears throat> and has been around for suddenly more than 40 years. It's hard to believe that, but um, I will never forget what to me was her debut in In Trousers, William Finn's first uh, musical that was done off-Broadway, which was one of the great experiences of my theater-going life, and I mean that. Um, and um, it's really interesting how three of the people from that cast have really gone on to... Um, there were four people in the cast, and three of them were still working. Uh, the other ones, for the for the record, are Alison Frazier, who's currently in Enter Laughing, and Chip Zine. So um, it was quite a show, and Mary Tester uh, had tremendous pipes uh, in that show, and she still has them. So um, so I do think that um, Lily Cooper and Sarah Styles have their work cut out for them. Wonderful though they were, and indeed they were. Um, and if Sarah Styles gets it, it will be because of that very difficult patter song um, <laughs> yeah. that she has early on that makes Amy in company when she sings Getting Married Today seem like uh, some enchanted evening. So, um, <laughs> so um, I, I do believe it's, it's among those three and um, anything could happen as far as that's concerned. I, I think Ali Stroke has a bit of an edge, but we'll see what happens. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, well, as I've said in the past, the parts, I think the only parts of Oklahoma that I did like were the whole subplot of Adu Annie, Will Parker, and Allie Hackham, because I thought that that's where they trusted the material. And, uh, you know, I, I think that made a tremendous difference. And all three of those actors did a beautiful job of playing the roles, uh, you know, I don't want to say traditionally, but in, in a way that brought out the the humor wonderfully well and what the creators intended. So I think Ali Stroker is a very, very strong contender. And uh, on the other hand, uh, I, I'm a huge Mary Testa fan, but I think her performance brought nothing to this show because of the direction. I thought she came across as just mean and ornery and cantankerous and often bored uh, throughout the whole evening. And I would tell Daniel Fish that he has absolutely no idea what that character is supposed to be. And I'm very sorry that he made somebody Mary, like Mary Testa come across as completely ineffective in the role, which is quite an achievement. Um, Sarah Styles was indeed wonderful. I, uh, somebody I wasn't 
um, necessarily familiar with beforehand, uh, and it's a, it was a breath of fresh air. Actually, both she and Andy Grotelution uh, not uh, haven't that much experience of either of them, and to have both of them come in and and just knock these comic roles out of the park was was really a, a huge plus for Tootsie. Um, Lily Cooper, I, I have said, and I do believe that she is a lot of the heart of Tootsie because there's a, there's certainly a lot of crazy, not so, you know, over the top cartoonish stuff happening and it does need a center. So I think in that sense, uh, she does a beautiful job. Other people have objected to the fact that they feel that because the role has been more rewritten uh, uh, to be a much stronger woman than that played by Jessica Lange in the film, uh, they feel uh, – and I, I understand their point – that that uh, didn't really work that well in terms of the plot and in terms of uh, Michael Dorsey's relationship with, with this woman. Um, but so that is an aspect. Uh, and I think it's maybe the role is not written quite well enough for Lily Cooper to actually get the award. Um, and Amber Gray uh, was, again, to use that, that, that expression, a large part of the the heart of Town. although I, I felt the um, – Orpheus and Eurydice relationship uh, was harmed somewhat by the coolness that I mentioned before, the coolness in the direction, presumably. Uh, I thought the opposite of the Hades-Persephone relationship between Patrick Page and Amber Gray. I thought both of them were really wonderful in those terms, and Amber Gray was, gave a beautiful performance, and I would be very happy if she won. Something that we haven't talked about uh, is that in some years, uh, I think of years like the producers where it's just a freight train and they just win everything no matter if they right. deserved it or not. I, I, don't, I don't foresee <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, I don't foresee that in this year. But if Town takes this on, I think that Amber Gray could beat Ali Stroker, but my choice would be Ali Stroker. And uh, not to take anything away from Amber, I thought she was great in Hades Town, and I'm a big fan of Hades Town. Right. I just think that Allie uh, uh, is going to win it, and I think it's deservedly so. All right, before we get on to trivia, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayVideo.com. This is a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us in Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to listen to us. iHeartRadio places, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to finer podcasts, you're going to be able to find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found on uh, the show notes or BroadwayRadio.com as well. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia question? Well, I asked, what do these songs have in common? Conga from Wonderful Town, Fire and Goodness from Camelot, God That's Good from Sweeney Todd, It's a Hit from Merrily We Roll Along, Check It Out from The Life, Goodbye from The Producers, and Fabulous Baby from Sister Act. Now, we always talk about the fact, uh, it's a big joke, that uh, musicals uh, have exclamation points. There aren't that <laughs> many that do. But these songs all do, and that's what they have in common. They all end with exclamation point. Sean Logan was the first to get it, followed by Alex Lauer and, a little later than usual to the party, but he still <laughs> showed up, Tony Janicki. So, this week, what Sondheim song from the 70s is also the name of a fictional musical that's a musical within a musical in a genuine hit Broadway musical. <laughs> All right. So if you have an answer to that, uh, to that question, 
Email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you are on the right track. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Rocks and stones echo 